Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops! Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a weekly podcast that you can hear on NWI.com or on iTunes. I'm your host, Paul Oren, NWI Oren on Twitter. And today I'm flying solo, meaning without my co-host, Parker Gatewood, who's on Christmas break. But I've got another co-host who's kind of stepping in for the moment here in a uh, short and abbreviated version of Union Street Hoops. From Valley Hoops Insider, Harry Schrader is here, at FatherHarry1 on Twitter, and uh, one of the preeminent voices in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference. And as we sit here today, um, on, on I know that a couple of conference games have started already, but conference play really begins in earnest on December 28th, and Valpo will go at, to Indiana State. Harry, as we sit here now, Christmas is over, but today does today kind of feel like Christmas? We're going to unwrap these 10 presents we have in Valley teams and see how they match up against each other? Well, yeah, absolutely, Paul. When I watch the preseason, of course, the non-conference schedule, you're just rooting for every team because you want them all to win and build up an RPI for the league and all that. But the season really matters now. And uh, so to watch these guys bang heads for the next uh, two and a half months, it's just going to be a blast. It's, it's my favorite time and season of the, of the entire year. You know, this is, uh, I wanted to have you on. We had you on over the summer when, when Valpo first joined the conference. But, you know, this is Valpo's first jump into this. They're 9-4 and four right now. They've got more questions than answers. Tavon Walker should be coming back from Mono uh, at Indiana State on Thursday. But Joe Burton is academically ineligible, it looks like, and has been, you know, suspended away from the program. So you don't really know what Valpo is going to bring to the table. What... But I think there were a lot of question marks about the league going into non-conference. What have you seen from the league in the non-conference? Obviously, they went 82 and 44, one of the you know top, I think 11 or 12 all-time non-conference records. Were, were you pleasantly surprised? Is this what you expected? Kind of what did you think of the non-conference? Well, I was pleasantly surprised. Those were my options, and I think most people in the league were. You know, they were hopeful. There was really good recruits coming in and so you were hopeful that that they wouldn't just fall apart obviously people were you know throwing dirt on the missouri valley's coffin back when wichita state left uh but i think that people underestimated the, the coaching staff the recruiting ability of the other nine now ten programs and and so i i wasn't surprised they did well i was really surprised though at how well they did and a couple obviously some of the signature wins were huge and and I thought Valpo came out of the gates great when you lost Devon and, and when you lost Joe Joe Burton. I, I thought that made a huge difference for them, and obviously they struggled, you know, down the line. But but I expect as they you know right the ship a little bit, getting Devon Walker back, that that they'll be a real force in the league as well. And so I think people have to be very encouraged with the the depth of talent. The team, the league has lost so many players, uh, starters, and like real significant starters. To injury, or like in your case there with Tavon with the the mile, so many very significant players. Evansville just getting Ryan Taylor back, and still don't have Drew Smith, uh, and yet they pulled off that you know six 
690, 680, whatever it is, winning percentage, I, I think you have to be very encouraged with the status of the entire league. And I think you're right. You know, Loyola, who beat Florida, did it without Clayton Custer for much of the game, and Ben Richardson's been out, and Southern Illinois has had uh, a bunch of players that have been out, Illinois State. I don't think we've seen them where they thought they'd be at this point. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's been tough to, to kind of look at, uh, you know, all of, the, all of the different injuries that have been out there. And, and, you know, we're really, you know, looking at, you know, is Elijah Clarence going to make a, is, you know, is he going to get out there for Illinois State? And, and so you put up a, a post a little bit ago about the non-conference All-Stars on ValleyHoopsInsider.com. And, uh, and what, what freshmen ha- have jumped out to you? What newcomers have jumped out to you so far this year? Well, I think it's, it's a fun season like that. Uh, you know, the Southern Illinois is super high on Marcus Bartley. He hasn't played much. But obviously uh, uh, Malik Yarbrough, those are the two guys that both played here at St. Louis U, and so I'm familiar with them. Yarbrough has been utterly unstoppable and, and just a terrific addition to Illinois State. He's a junior, of course, came over from St. Louis U, but he's uh, scoring in, in large portions and rebounding and assists, and he's kind of playing that point-forward position. He's really been outstanding. They expect great things from Bartley there at Southern Illinois, like I said, but he just is getting underway. I think Missouri State has had a, a couple of guys injected, but they haven't really turned out yet. Uh, J.T. Miller is their second-leading scorer, but I think they expected a little bit more from him. Uh, but I think overall what you see in the strength of the Valley is the guys that were already here. Gordon uh, yeah. Barnes was a guy that was already here, but it just exploded at Indiana State, and uh, and and so he's that kind of guy that was here, but people forgot he was here, and all of a sudden he's one of the dominant players, and and so I think the strength of the league is not just upper uh, upperclassmen, but people that were already here, and uh, I think Kavion Pittman uh, Pippen rather at, at Southern Illinois has just been terrific. Uh, he, he maybe just got thrust into the role because he bowl was. Out, if Bull ever comes back, they will have that kind of Twin Towers thing that will be very difficult to handle. It's been an interesting season in that regard. And, you know, mentioning Indiana State, who Valpo will be playing in their first game on Thursday, you know, Jordan Barnes, you, you've got here that, uh, you know, Greg Lansing has said that he, he wanted to play Jordan Barnes more last season, and he didn't. And uh, and now, I mean, he's really, he, he's, he's tops and a lot of things there when he's He's fourth in the league at 17 points a game, and uh, you know he's up there in assists, four and a half assists per game, and and someone that Valpo is going to have to to deal with quite a bit. I think Brenton Scott is the name that people pay attention to at Indiana State, and then uh, Davis can also score as well for Indiana State. So Valpo is going to have a tough a tough jump off, and then they get Missouri State at home right after that. And obviously, uh, your your non conference player of the year so far is uh, Alizé Johnson, and uh, what have you seen from him so far? Well, Alizé just kept, keeps doing what he did all last year. He's averaging 14 points, 10 rebounds, he can hit the three. Although he's shot the three very poorly this year, he's maybe coming out of it. He, he had several threes just in a, in a game last week, but he's been shooting under 300%, you know, 30% from beyond the line, but that will heat up for him. He's just such a force for them, and the other team has to adjust to Alizé Johnson every time down the floor, and that's what makes him so good. He's a very unselfish guy. He's a terrific passer as well. And so I think that what he does is he does, you know, that 14, 15 points a game, 10 rebounds, but 
he makes everybody else better. Everybody else is a threat because the other team has to focus on him. And, yeah, there was a big debate whether he should be the player of the half season, so to speak, or Yarbrough should at Illinois State. Because if, if you crunch the numbers, probably Yarbrough's had a better year. But I think what happens for Johnson is everybody else is better. They've got so many guys average seven, eight, nine, ten points a game at Missouri State. And so the whole team rises higher because of how good Alizé Johnson is. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure that it's done the same way in the Valley. I know in the Horizon League when we voted for postseason awards, the only thing that I paid attention to was how they did in conference. And all of the stuff in the non-conference is great, but I want to see how Yarborough and Johnson go against each other. I know they don't play the same position, but you want to see, you know, what how, how that goes. And, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how these teams match up against one another. You've been around the Valley for a long time, and I know that, you know, in the national side of things, it's taken some hits without Creighton and now Wichita State. But as we get ready for conference play to start, what are the best rivalries in the league? What are what are the matchups that, you know, it's must-see TV for you? Is it is it uh, player-based, or are there programs that, that almost always go down to the last second against one another? Kind of What, what are two or three that stand out to you? Well, the, the rivalry on the I-74 rivalry between Illinois State and Bradley is just long-term, historic. Uh, you know, the schools are separated by just, you know, a small amount of miles. And, and, and so that is probably the preeminent long-term rivalry. And now that Bradley is back to being at least competitive, I think that that is must-see must see TV. I do think that that's the best long-term rivalry in the league. Now that the state of Illinois has put together this Illinois champions thing between those two schools, Loyola and Southern, I think that'll be fun to watch. I don't know that it's a big rivalry. I expect a rivalry to emerge or to re-engage between Loyola and Valpo. But I think at the end of the day, because Wichita is gone, I think that changes some of the rivalry things. Another long-term rivalry has been Missouri State and Southern. Of course, they played Division II basketball against each other before they both elevated into Division One, And so uh, I think they have a long-term rivalry. But I think if you step back and say, who are the programs over the last couple of years that have been really, really good, it's Northern Iowa and of the last couple of years, Illinois State. And so I think from a basketball perspective, that would be the go-to. And because Missouri State appears to be the best team in the league, I think Northern and Missouri State, those are the games you really have to watch. Valpo and Northern Iowa have played 24 times. Valpo is 2-22 and 22 against Northern Iowa. Valpo's played Missouri State here a handful of times. Uh, they're 7-14, and 14, but they've won the last four games. And the Indiana State game that's coming up is one of Valpo's longest opponents, um, uh, or most often. They've played 81 times. Valpo is 31-50 against Indiana State, which doesn't look like a great record but the 31 victories is actually like some of the most they have against a, uh, a common opponent so Valpo's played a lot of these teams so you think Valpo and Loyola it could could emerge is uh, what does Evansville have a rival in this in this conference you know not really I mean Evansville is at some levels they came in I want to say 24 years ago they're probably the the newest member in the league uh, other than Valpo and, and Loyola and so they have come from somewhere else, so to speak. And, and they've had real limited success. I mean, they had a couple of years when Marcus Wilson was there where they were very competitive and a, and a 
you know, a conference champion and, and those kinds of things, but they have struggled to be in the upper echelon over the last X amount of years. The Just a couple of years ago when they had D.J. Ballantyne and others, they were right up at the top again, but, but there aren't those natural rivalries. You would think the Indiana schools would all be big rivals, and perhaps they are, but it doesn't appear that that's the way it all turns out. And so uh, Evansville, I think, is looking for identity. It's a smaller school. And a lot of international students, a lot like, uh, you know, Valpo. And so I could see those guys really becoming a rival as well. When you play somebody twice a year, as, as all these schools will, some things emerge. If you have big wins or overtime wins or there's controversy behind some games, all of a sudden rivalries take on whole new, you know, a whole new tenor. But, uh, yeah, today with Wichita gone, you know, Wichita Northern were big rivals. Wichita and and Creighton were big rivals, but Wichita's gone, and so that upper echelon rivalry thing is still to, to be determined in the new-look Missouri Valley. I'm going to put you on the spot here, and maybe this isn't fair, but but give me a team that was projected to finish maybe in the bottom half of the preseason that you think could really kind of break through the upper echelon this year. Well, I, I do think that uh, Bradley, uh, I think they were picked seventh, uh, I think that they have really proven that they're a much better basketball team, and I think that that's fun to watch. And, and shockingly to me, Evansville has had this good season, meaning I didn't think they were going to be that good. And then their best player got hurt, and then the guy that stepped up to become the new best player, Drew Smith, he got hurt, and yet all they do is win. I, you know, So I'm surprised at how well they've played, and, and so maybe they'll surprise us still. And I think Drake is a lot better than people thought. But if I had to pick one, I, I would think it would be the Bradley Braves. They've been together, most of those guys, now three years, and they really understand each other. And uh, and they're very excited about the youngster, uh, Elijah Childs, who's, who's doing some damage for them as well. And so I think Bradley would be the most likely of that bottom four to, to make some noise in the conference race. Missouri State, Northern Iowa, Loyola, and Illinois State all received first-place votes in the preseason poll I gotta think most of these schools are are already you know looking like they're going to be pretty strong. Loyola did lose their their first conference game. They lost to Florida. Is uh, is is Loyola or Illinois State or any of these schools in danger of of, of slipping at all this year? I think Loyola is going to be fine. It all depends on when uh, Custer and Richardson come back. If you remember, they as you mentioned at the outset, the. Uh, Clayton Custer didn't play in the second half of that game uh, against Florida, and then he hasn't played since. Richardson hasn't played, I don't know, in a month, and and that's their starting backcourt. And so they have not played well since Custer went down uh, after the second half of that Florida game. And so the question to me is, can they solve that, and how quickly do those two players come back? Other than that, I think they are stellar. I love the new kid, Krutwig, the, the center. Yeah, Cameron. Uh, yeah, he has had a, uh, a very good non-conference and talked to Porter Moser about him. He told me, he said, Harry, he's like that 5'9 walk-on guard that everybody in the nation says, man, if you guys had his heart, you'd be great. He says, that's who that Cameron Krutwig is. He said, he's that guy, he's cheering, hooping and hollering at every drill, every practice. Oh, but he happens to be 6'9 and love basketball. And so I think they're going to be really good if they get healthy. If they don't, I think they're going to really struggle in the league. And Illinois State, if they ever get NGI back, I think that they could win the whole shooting match. Uh, so I think those three or four teams really could be banging heads all year long. And, and you know, three or four wins, uh, three or four losses 
might be that number that somebody, you know, they we're used to people only losing one or two games to win the conference, but it might be a three, four, five game loss champion, the way how balanced those three or four teams and the rest of the league are. Is the Missouri Valley Conference a multi-bid league this season? Uh, I think if somebody wins other the tournament other than Northern Iowa, and I think Northern Iowa has a chance. Uh, I don't think anybody else has a chance this year. As good as the league has been, as good as the RPI has been, I guess their league is eighth in the RPI, or, or I think that's the latest thing I read. Uh, I just don't think that that respect factor is there nationally. I wish it was. I think it should be. I think some of the signature wins, Indiana State over Indiana, Illinois State, you know, knocking off two different, you know, uh, SEC teams, and I, I think those things are out there. Now, Illinois State goes 16-2 and two again, yeah, maybe, and then they don't win the tournament. Maybe they make it, too, because they had those two big SEC wins. But, uh, yeah, I think if Northern Iowa is first or second in the league, it doesn't win the tournament, I think they're the legitimately the only team that really has a chance. And, I, you know, if you look at Northern Iowa, they lost by 17 to North Carolina, lost by 14 to Villanova, lost by 11 to Iowa State, lost by 10 to Xavier. And those are their four losses, and three of them are top 10 teams right now. And they've got wins over SMU and uh, NC State, which is a good win, and UNLV, which should turn out to be a pretty good win, I would think. And, and obviously, you know, as you say, if they – finish first or second they'll have a lot of good conference wins as well uh where do you where do you see valpo i know they got a lot of a lot of questions but uh let's let's assume tavon walker comes back and is healthy for the the go of it and let's assume that joe burton is no longer on the team uh where where do you see valpo finishing this year you know i forget where i voted them uh paul but i thought they would be fifth or sixth at the at the outset only because i thought those top four were really decent uh, you know, really good teams, and and I think losing Burton is a big deal. Obviously, he's the the Crusaders' second leading scorer, and and so I don't know how they replace him. I know they're very excited about the freshman, and and you know I was just going over everybody's stats last night, and a number of the players have really stepped up since I saw them play at Southeast. Uh, I mean, at Southern Illinois Edwardsville, and and so I got an up close look. They're you're, the the Crusaders are big, and they're a, they're a, a good sized team. I think they're going to compete. But I think they're middle. What I mean by that is probably not top four, probably not top, not bottom four. Uh, and I love Tavon Walker's game, and I and I like the balance that the team has with some size and speed, and and so. But I do think they're a fifth or sixth place team in this year's race. Final question for you here: as as we get ready to start in earnest conference play on Thursday in the Missouri Valley, you know everyone's really going to be be getting their first conference games in. A couple teams have played already. I know Wichita and Creighton before that really were the leaders of the conference in terms of, I know Illinois State won it last year, but is this as wide open as you can remember a, a conference season beginning, or have has there been years like this before where there were four or five teams that were legitimate threats to win the whole thing? There is no question, Paul, that this is the most wide open ever I, I remember Barry Henson saying in the off season it was going to be like the wild, wild west, and, and I think that's true. You know, you and I were talking about Evansville a minute ago. I don't think they're very good, and particularly that while you know Ryan Taylor's first game back was the other night against Illinois State, Drew Smith is still out, and they took the Redbirds to the wire. And so I think anybody can really do damage in this league, and I really do think it's a four or five team race, and and that I think it's going to be the most exciting conference race 
that we've had in years in that way. What I mean is over the last couple of years, uh, Wichita and, and Illinois State tied last year. So that was exciting for those two teams. And Wichita Northern have battled over the last couple of years, and that was exciting for those two teams. And, and Wichita and Creighton before that. But I think in terms of league-wide excitement, because so many teams will have an opportunity, I think it's going to be the most competitive and exciting Missouri Valley Conference season we've had in, I don't know, decades. The website is valleyhoopsinsider.com. Harry Schrader, at Father Harry on Twitter. Harry, do you do you travel around to Valley schools during the season, or are you just kind of gearing? I know you do a lot with the Ohio Valley as well, or are you just gearing up for Arch Madness? Uh, mostly that. I mean, I get out to a game or two here or there. Obviously, Southern Illinois, Edwards Hills across the river, so I, I go watch those play uh, those teams play, and I live here in St. Louis, and so some of the Valley teams come in here, but I do sneak out once or twice a year to just kind of get out and get the feel of uh, the home floor for some of the people that are relatively close to St. Louis. And uh, so I'm mapping out some trips to Terre Haute and some other places. been down to Missouri State already this year. And uh, so, yeah, I, I try to get out a little bit, but it's a little hard to, to pull away from the wife. Well, I'm looking forward to, again, you know, I spent some time with you at, at Media Day. I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, in Arch Madness, which is like, three months from now i think two months from now it feels like two months in a day or so and and uh really looking forward to that i'm going to hit you up for some food recommendations later on here as uh we get ready uh to we got a we got many miles to go before we sleep but we'll get to arch madness soon enough harry thank you very much for joining and uh you know what let's watch some good basketball over the next couple months always a pleasure paul thanks so much We've got a very special guest right now. This is uh, such an interesting time of the year as, as we're getting ready to start the Missouri Valley Conference and trying to figure out where Valpo is going to finish in the conference. And sometimes you go by gut, sometimes you go by intuition. But a lot of times, if you boil it down, you can go by numbers. And I always think I'm going to go with someone smarter than I am for this. So we've got Luke Benz, a junior at Yale, a part of the Yale Sports Analytics Group. Uh, the president of the Yale Sports Analytics Group. Luke has been doing some college basketball number crunching and everything. He just published an excellent article called The Value of Switching Conferences, which looks at Wichita State, Valparaiso, and IUPUI and, and what gains they got from moving from different conferences. And, uh, and, and you know, Luke, I've, I've rambled on a bit. Thank you for joining Union Street Hoops. And w when and how did you decide to jump into math and make it work in college basketball numerics. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I've really been someone who has been a sports fan my whole life, and I've really been attracted to numbers. And, uh, you know, there came a point in time I realized they weren't really two separate things, but rather you could use math to gain a better understanding of college basketball, uh, like you see for many sports today. And... Uh, you know, they can help you answer some questions that we kind of have, as you were saying earlier, a gut instinct about, um, but, you know, maybe we don't have an exact answer. So uh, you mentioned this article I recently published on the value of switching conferences. I think that there was a lot of talk during the off season, and now as we head into conference play, um, for these three teams that changed conferences, you know, as their first in their first season in new conferences, you know, what what were those gains? Um, and, you know, kind of looking to quantify that rather than just say, oh, it was a good move or a bad move. 
So looking at, at, we'll use Wichita State as an example so I can have the listeners kind of understand what you were looking at. You were looking to rank uh, where Wichita State would be in the RPI if they stayed in the Valley as opposed to moving to the American Athletic Conference, what their strength of record would be, what their quality of resume would be, what their wins above the bubble rank would be, and what their at-large rank would be. And you found that Wichita State took jumps in every one of their those things. Matter of fact, all three schools, Wichita State, Valpo, and IUPUI, all jumped in there. And and so what you found from Wichita State was that if they went through and had the season they were expected to have in the Valley, they would be roughly a number six seed in the tournament, correct? That's correct, yes. And then what do you have them if they make it now in the American Athletic Conference? Where Where would you position them now? Yeah, right now, given their same strength, uh, the, inc- the move to the American, or sorry, the American Conference is worth about three seed lines. So simply by getting uh, more potential for quality games and thus quality wins, um, we're pegging them as about a three seed uh, in our projections. And uh, you know, given last year, I think they were a ten seed, despite having like only four or so losses coming from the Missouri Valley. Uh, those extra seeds surely make a big difference come tournament time and uh, helping them advance deep into the tournament. There's no question that Wichita State was grossly underseeded last year. I, I was in Indianapolis for their uh, first and second round games and saw them play Kentucky, and I just felt that uh, that if they would have gotten a different matchup, they could have done very well for themselves. But again, that's you know, part of the the problem of being in a mid-major conference. Now, Valpo moves from the Horizon League to the Valley. What change do you see for Valpo? Yeah, well, I think Valpo, uh, according to my study, has the largest increase in projected RPI, Uh, you know, simulating their current team based on a, a Horizon League schedule like we would have seen in years prior. They're projecting a borderline top 100 RPI team, but just on the outside sitting in. Under their current schedule in the Missouri Valley, we have them projecting as a top 60 team. Uh, clearly, that's a big difference. Now, I don't think, uh, you know, barring some kind of undefeated run in conference play or something, that many people are projecting Valpo for an at-large bid this year. But this is the kind of move where, uh, you know, we saw that last year it, it seemed that an at-large bid for Valparaiso in the Horizon Conference was going to be a long shot. It's tough to have much better a year than they had last year. Whereas in the Missouri Valley Conference, you know, having a, a stronger out-of-conference schedule and, uh, you know, maybe some slightly better non-conference results and then having a good conference play uh, makes the possibility of, getting an at-large bid, you know, more of a reality. So for Valpo, you have their their RPI, if they were in the Horizon League, at 128, and their RPI in the Valley at 61. Strength of record in the Horizon would be 131. It would be 101 in the Valley. But then quality of resume rank doesn't change. actually depreciates by one spot. Is that because in the, the Horizon League they'd be projected to have a better overall record, maybe not as good of a record in the Valley, but yet those wins that they would have in the conference would be against better teams? Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, more noise than any real statistical trend there. Okay. Uh, basically that 
quality of resume rank is sort of uh, looking at the four uh, tiers that the selection committee looks at. Um, we have like they define tier A, tier B, tier C, and tier D wins based on um, opponents' RPI and location of the game. And so, simply having a better record uh, will, will bump your quality of resume up. So, despite the fact that they're they're playing better teams, I think the fear is this year, particularly the middle of the Missouri Valley Conference is very deep, that they might beat up on each other, um, and you know it, it makes it tough for one or two teams to really rise above the rest of the pack. You have a metric in here called wins above bubble and Valpo 138 in the horizon being 95 in the valley. What does wins above bubble mean? Sure. So the wins above bubble is a metric where we take a team we might expect to be, if you will, one of the, the final four at-large bids, so one of the teams we might see in Dayton. And we can simulate how they would fare against um, Valparaiso or any other team's schedule. And then we take the difference between how did Valpo actually do against this schedule. Maybe they got 18 wins, and we'd expect the average bubble team to get 20 wins. So therefore, Valparaiso would be uh, two wins below the bubble. It's basically, if you are above the bubble, we would expect that you have a pretty good chance of making the tournament. And if you're below the bubble, you have some work to be done. Uh, before selection time. Basically, that increase of roughly 45 ranks in our wins above bubble metric says that, um, you know, Valparaiso has some good chances at, at quality wins in the MVC, and they're playing a tougher schedule um, than they would in the Horizon League, um, basically allowing them slightly more margin for error yeah, it makes sense. I think one of the things I, that that the listeners will really enjoy is one of the final lines in your article here. It says, in fact, my rankings peg the median Summit League team as roughly three points better than the median Horizon League team this year. You looked at IUPUI, and their, their numbers don't change an incredible amount, but um, you're certainly seeing that the Horizon League has slipped this year. And, uh, and, and they're pretty much on par with the Summit League more than anything else. Let me ask here, one of the things you have is that while Valpo's not necessarily going to get an at-large bid this year, this move sets them up down the line, correct? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, year in and year out, the Missouri Valley is in a, a good position to always compete for two, maybe even three bids. And, uh, you know, even without Wichita State, I think we're looking at a multi-bid league, and this is the right move for Valpo. We're joined by Luke Benz right now of the Yale Sports Analytics Group, which you can find on Twitter at Yale Sports Group, and you can find Luke at Rexpex730, which I think is an amazing Twitter handle. Uh, Luke, as we get ready for conference play to start, what do you see in the Valley this year? What, what do the numbers tell you? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... I'm just as excited for anyone to see how this plays out. There are really a lot of teams with the potential to win this thing. Um, but what my numbers are saying is we have roughly three three tiers and you know five, five teams with a, a solid chance of winning the title. At the top, uh, there's Northern Iowa, 
and Missouri State. Um, slightly below them, I see Loyola Chicago, and uh, followed closely by Valpo and Illinois State. Um, according to my projections, um, and you know other projection systems will tell you similar things, although they might have these flips. I have Northern Iowa pegged as the favorite to to win the conference title at about 31 percent, with uh, Missouri State close behind at 28 percent. Um, for the record, Valpo's chances sit at about seven to eight percent. That's that. fair. That's fair. And um, what uh, what what are the big matchups to watch out for? What uh, what are what are are games that that we can look at that will uh, help uh, make the numbers make sense a little bit. Yeah. Um, one thing that I was m mentioning earlier is that uh, I think the kind of middle of the pack teams in the conference or the, the teams near the top, you know, teams like Valpo, Illinois State, Loyola, Chicago, um, there's the potential that all those teams are, are so c close together in the standings that, you know, it'll you have the idea that they might all beat up on each other, and we don't really have a true runaway conference winner. So I think any matchup between those top five teams is going to be really exciting. Some ones that I've highlighted on my schedule are uh, the Northern Iowa-Missouri State game um, to end the season, I think. It's the, it's the last game of the regular season, and that very well might decide who wins the regular season conference title. Um, Valpo's games against Illinois State, Loyola Chicago are exciting. And um, I think, you know, whoever does best uh, on the road in these matchups and maybe is able to steal one or two games away from home um, might find themselves, you know, with the edge heading into the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament this year. Looking at, uh, you've got a bracketology on the on the. Yale undergraduate sports analytics group page. Right now, you've got Villanova as the number one overall seed, Duke, North Carolina, and Kansas all as number one seeds. And then you've got uh, Purdue as the top number two seed, and Purdue beat Valpo earlier this year. And so, for the record, you've got uh, from the Valley a 13 seed, Northern Iowa, 51st overall. And then on the bubble, and, and really not the bubble so much as part of the first 16 teams out, you've got uh, number 80 overall, Missouri State. Is there a chance for the Missouri Valley Conference to get multiple bids this year? Uh, is, is, is Northern Iowa really the only chance that the Valley might have? I think, uh, you know, either Northern Iowa or Missouri State has a chance to get um, an at-large bid, but it would take... Um, you know, some special circumstances. I was playing around with this last night. Um, I was looking mainly at Northern Iowa, but a similar situation would hold for Missouri State. If one of them were to go 15-3 and three or 16-2 and two in conference play, um, avoiding bad losses, you know, maybe a Northern Iowa would split with Missouri State or a Valpo or something like that. Um, and then were to lose in the conference championship game. Um, they would still project using our wins above bubble metric and positive um, and um, would still project as around a 10 or 11 seed were they to go that well in conference play. Um, 
as I was saying, I think the real danger for the Missouri Valley as a two-bid league would be if Northern Iowa is to go 12-6, and six, Missouri State goes 12-6, and six, and, you know, you have four teams go 10-8. and eight. Yeah. Um, and certainly that would make for very exciting league play, but as far as the league's chances for a two-bid league, I think it really wants to see, you know, one or two teams really break away from the rest of the pack. Um, pop culture seems to have a lot of fun, uh, based in reality as well, but pop culture seems to have a lot of fun with the idea of the the Ivy League mathematician genius. You see the movie Moneyball uh, with uh, Jonah Hill's character, who's based on a, a real person, and you see the movie 21, um, you know, based on using the numbers to make a lot of money in Vegas. Uh, what do you want to do with the numbers? What, what do you, you know, is there... Is there a thrill you get? Do you want to go set up shop in Vegas or a Major League Baseball front office? Where do you see this taking you? Yeah, I mean, I would certainly love to work for a sports team someday. Um, but I think, you know, long term, I'm really interested in uh, applications of math and statistics to uh, medicine and public health. Uh, you know, I love college basketball, and I, I do this as a hobby, um, but... Um, some of my more serious research at school um, is in the biostatistics department at Yale School of Public Health, and uh, my projects have looked at uh, quality of life outcomes for patients with various kinds of brain tumors. And, um, you know, I think that that's uh, just as meaningful an application, if not more so, than in many of these other areas. But uh, It's considerably more meaningful. This one's just a little bit more fun. Um, oh, certainly. Luke Benz from uh, from the Yale Sports Analytics Group. Uh, gun to your head, who's winning the national championship this year? Oh, I'll say Villanova, just because they're number one in my rankings right now and have really, you know, not had too many close games. But I think the field's wide open this year, and there are maybe ten teams who have a legitimate chance at winning the whole thing. Do you... Uh, do you get into bracket pools with your friends, and do they even allow you to join their pools? Oh, definitely. I, I love bracket pools, and you know the numbers certainly paint one picture, but I think as uh, any college basketball fan would say, as soon as you get to the tournament, all conventional wisdom goes out the window. Absolutely. Well, we got a long way to go until the tournament starts. Luke, thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on Union Street Hoops. Valpo and Indiana State tip off tomorrow night in the conference opener, and we're going to pay attention to the numbers all through the season. Luke, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.